0: All right, church. Well, uh, uh, you may have noticed there's a fellow sitting up front here, Brother mm-hmm. Gary. Uh, brother Gary Mills is going to bring our message for us today, uh, and, and, and honestly, he's a, he's a good friend of mine, and, uh, and, and he, he reached out to me, and, and, and so uh, we set this day up so that he could come and speak and, and bring the word, and so if you would, put your hands together and welcome him as he, as he comes forward. Mm-hmm. Come on up, Brother Gary. Thank you, Brother All right, um, it's great to begin on a song like that, amen? Take your Bibles, if you will, and uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and I want us to look at the life of Moses in verses 23 through 29. Hebrews eleven twenty-three through 29. My message title today is The Choices of Faith, The Choices of Faith. As you find your place in God's Word, would you join me in prayer and ask God's blessing upon His Word today? Father, we are truly grateful for who you are and all that you are. And we're especially grateful that you have communicated to us in your word what you expect from us. And my prayer today, God, is that you would, by your spirit, use your word in each of our hearts, that you would challenge us and change us for your honor and your glory. Father, what a blessing to be able to live in a free country where we have this privilege. And God, my prayer this morning is that you would help us all to focus intently upon the truth of your word. I ask you, holy God, to simply be glorified, and I pray that you would enable me to say exactly what you desire me to say. And Lord, shut my mouth from anything that would not be your will. Father, thank you for this time. And I pray your blessing upon your word now. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. I'm sure that some of you can remember the game show on TV called Let's Make a Deal. And it ran during the uh, 70s and 80s, and I'm not sure if it's still on today, but uh, perhaps it is. But these contestants would dress up in outlandish costumes, and they would be uh, selected to wheel and deal with the game show host, Monty Hall. The entire show was based on choices. The contestants would be given a choice between cash or a mystery box, or between cash and what's behind door number one or two or three. And sometimes that cash would amount to as much as 500 or $1,000. And so it was a, a good amount. And if they took the cash, they'd just simply walk away with it. It was theirs. But if they chose to take the mystery box or what was behind the varying numbered doors they might mind up with a prize that was far more valuable than the money, such as maybe a car or an expensive vacation to some exotic place. However, they also had the option that they might wind up with something completely worthless. And the whole point of the game show was to cause these contestants to make choices. And that game show, in some respects, is a commentary on life because life is made up of choices. We make choices every single day of our lives. When we're going to get up, what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, etc., etc. And those choices we make affect us Either for good or for bad. They either help us or they hurt us. Every aspect of our lives is based on choices. And as Christians, we either make those choices for the glory of God or we make them for our own glory. We either make them to honor God, or we make them to fulfill our own desires. And over and over again, the Bible encourages us, in fact, it urges us, to make godly choices. To choose to be wise instead of foolish. To choose to obey God over man. To choose Righteousness as opposed to unrighteousness and so forth. I want to just share with you a a quick challenge that Joshua gives to the children of Israel. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24, keep your finger there in the book of Hebrews, but... Look with me in Joshua 24. Because he encourages Israel to make a covenant with God. And the crux of that covenant is in verses 14 and 15. And he says here in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And then he says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell." And then Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I love that. That is a challenge to us. In other words, you can serve the gods of this world or you can serve the Lord God. And by the way, people make gods out of all sorts of things. The gods in our society today are numerous. People make gods out of pleasure and sports and money and possessions and sex and people and so forth. All of those kinds of things become people's gods. Moses, however, was a man who worshipped God and made the right kinds of choices. Faith choices. The choices of faith. He was a man of faith, and He set an example for us in the kinds of choices faith makes. Now, Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter because the individuals mentioned here all lived a life of faith. Ultimately, many of them even dying for their faith. The individuals are known for the faith they demonstrated. Now, look with me, if you will, at verse 23, because this shows us Moses' beginning. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Apparently, as Moses was born, Pharaoh had issued a command that all of the Israelite children, male children, were to be killed. However, Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, hid him as long as they could. And when they were no longer able to do so, they formed a little raft. And they put him in it. And they took it down by the river And laid it among the reeds. Well, it just so happens that Moses' sister, Miriam, was a little bit older and she decided to go down there as well and see what would happen to the baby Moses. And so, as she's down there and as Moses is down there, The Bible says that Pharaoh's daughter and her maidens came down to the river to bathe. And as they walked along the riverbank, they noticed this little raft. And probably heard the baby crying. And they retrieved it. And the Bible says that when she saw Moses' beauty and heard him crying. She had compassion on him and decided to raise him as her own. Now, ironically, they needed a uh, woman to nurse the baby. And uh, as it so happens, Miriam steps in and she suggests that Uh, she go get a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby. And so God, in His providence, would allow Jochebed to care for that baby and nurse that baby until he was weaned, at which time he would be given to Pharaoh's daughter to raise as her own. Now, that's just a little bit of context for these thoughts, Okay. Now, there are five characteristics I want to share with you in regard to the choices of faith. The choices true faith makes. First of all, faith chooses spiritual persecution over earthly pleasure. Spiritual persecution over earthly pleasure. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now understand, Moses grew up in Egypt, one of the most wealthiest and most advanced societies in that part of the world. Being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was a prince and could possibly even rule someday. He was in a position to receive everything that Egypt had to offer. In fact, Moses had the best education available. According to Stephen in Acts uh, chapter 7, In verse 22, it says that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And because he was educated at such a high level, the Bible says in uh, that same verse, he was mighty in words and deeds. So basically, Moses had everything going for him. He was smart, he was educated, and he was able to do great and mighty things. According to Acts 7.23, the next verse, it says that Moses was 40 when he came of age, and God put it in his heart to go visit his Israelite brethren. That, by the way, is the same time that Moses had a choice to make. He could be either be uh, come a full-fledged Egyptian or he could go join his Israelite brethren. Now, in some respects, the decision was difficult because he had all the privileges of the palace. Listen, people, Moses had an aristocratic life, the life of a prince, a life of prosperity and prestige. He had everything at his disposal. But God burdened his heart to go be with his people. And so again, Moses had a choice to make. He could choose the lifestyle of luxury or he could be faithful to God. And fortunately, he chose to be faithful to God and as a result, suffer affliction with the people of God. He forsook the lifestyle of name and fame and the rich and famous so that he could be identified with the people of God, the Israelites. I want to tell you, that wouldn't be a choice that many people would make today. In fact, very few would. You see, we live in a society geared toward name and fame. A society with a me first mentality that almost always puts self first no matter the cost. Moses didn't care about name and fame. He didn't care about all the prestige and popularity. He had a single focus and that was to be faithful to God. His heart was focused on doing God's will. And notice, verse 26 says that he understood that there is pleasure in sin. But it's temporary. It's passing. It doesn't last. And I might add that it doesn't bring ultimate and lasting fulfillment as well. So, Moses could have had anything he wanted with regard to sin and sinful pleasure, but he gave it all up in order to be identified with the people of God. I want to ask you, how many celebrities or athletes Have you seen in the news who've been either arrested or suspended because of the passing pleasures of sin? They were too tempting. You know what I mean? I mean, they make tons of money and can basically have anything they desire. And they choose to become addicted to the pleasures of sin whether it be drugs or money or sex or booze, they choose to fulfill their own desires rather than doing what's right. So yes, Moses understood that sin may be pleasurable for a season, but he also understood that ultimately it has consequences. I have no doubt that David experienced pleasure in his sin with Bathsheba. But later on, he cried out in Psalm 51, My sin is ever before me! In other words, I can't get it out of my head. I'm constantly thinking about it. It's always on my mind. I'm sure that Adam and Eve enjoyed the fruit From the tree, but that act of sinful pleasure plunged mankind into uh, sin. There are consequences to our sinful choices, and we could list situations today as well. How about the husband who has an affair with a woman not his wife, and his wife ends up uh, divorcing him because of it? How about The man who drives drunk and gets in an accident and a person is killed. Or how about teenagers who engage in an immoral relationship and the girl winds up pregnant. Sin has consequences. Understand, folks, Moses made a conscious choice to abandon the passing pleasures of sin so that he could suffer affliction with the people of God. And I want to tell you, when you do that as a follower of Christ, the world is going to think you're crazy. They are. Turn over a couple of books with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter, chapter 4. Peter says, in beginning in verse 3, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Now, what he's saying there is that we've done enough of living like lost people. Because the Gentiles were considered lost. And he goes on to say, When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. And then he says in verse 4, In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. In other words, they can't understand why we don't do what they do and live like they live. And not only that, but their guilt causes them to badmouth us. I mean, we see this as Christians today, don't we? All the time. The world just doesn't understand us. But what they don't understand is that our values are different. Our standards are different. We live by the standard of the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us that if we follow Christ and we live for Christ, we will suffer persecution. Jesus said in John fifteen twenty, if they persecuted me, know that they will persecute you. Paul said in second Timothy, uh, Timothy three twelve, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not might, but shall suffer persecution. So listen, by faith, Moses gladly gave up the pleasures of sin to be persecuted as a child of God. Is that a choice you would make this morning? I trust that it is. Second, faith chooses heavenly riches over earthly riches. Heavenly riches over earthly riches. Riches. Verse 26 of Hebrews 11. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Again, remember, Moses had everything he wanted in Egypt. And being a member of Pharaoh's court would have meant that Moses had the wealth of Egypt At his disposal. And yet to him, the reproach of Christ was greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. I find that incredible. Especially in our money-hungry age. Notice the word is steaming. It sheds light on his choice. His choice. It's a word that means that Moses deliberated over the decision. He carefully thought it over. He laid out all the facts and concluded that it's better to suffer reproach for Christ than have all the money in the world. And the reason is that he looked to the reward. That is, he looked to the eternal reward, the heavenly reward. He gave up temporary riches for eternal riches. You remember Paul warned Timothy about pursuing earthly treasure? In First Timothy chapter 6, And verse 6, he says this, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out of it. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith and, uh, in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows." Paul said, Godliness is great gain, not greediness. And then there's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You remember he warned us about serving two masters, right? God and money. In first uh, in Matthew chapter six, verses nineteen through twenty one and verse twenty four he tells us that very thing. But Moses chose to lay up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. Listen, folks. True faith doesn't focus on the temporary things of this world. It doesn't get wrapped up in the prestige and pleasure and prosperity of worldly accomplishments it has an eternal perspective that leads it to desire the future reward and it's willing to bear the reproach of Christ until that time it can be summarized in the words of martyred missionary jim elliot who said he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. I love that. Listen, it is foolish to only amass wealth in this world because we can't take it with us. We're going to leave it all behind. However, laying up treasure in heaven is so much better because it will become the eternal reward that we receive. So faith chooses heavenly riches over earthly riches. Let me ask you, are you laying up treasure in heaven? I hope so. Third, faith chooses... The fear of the Lord over the fear of man. Fear of the Lord over the fear of man. Verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. fact that Moses forsook Egypt made Pharaoh angry. But Moses didn't care because he was obeying God. The word forsook there means an abandonment. It means that Moses didn't just leave physically, he left emotionally and spiritually as well. He completely renounced his Egyptian way of life. He turned completely away from what he knew from the Egyptian life and culture and heritage. He turned his back on it all, so to speak. That would explain why Pharaoh was so angry. and I'm sure he spent uh, Pharaoh spent uh, invested a lot of time in Moses and had plans for the future for Moses. But no matter what Pharaoh did or said, Moses didn't fear the wrath of the king, that being Pharaoh. Rather, he was focused on him who is invisible. That's God. Moses didn't fear the wrath of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh. He feared the King of kings, God. You see, for Moses, fear of the Lord took precedence over the fear of man. Solomon knew all about the fear of the Lord and he wrote about it in his letters. He repeatedly talked about the fear of the Lord in the book of Proverbs. Read through it again and Underline every time you see the fear of the Lord. There are numerous times. And then in the book of Ecclesiastes, he concludes that book in chapter 12 and verse 13 uh, by saying that you can boil life for a Christian down to this fear God and keep his commandments. Listen, true faith is always concerned about the fear of the Lord and not the fear of man. In fact, Solomon said in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord shall be safe. A snare is something that takes you captive. It ensnares you. It brings you into bondage. It restricts you. And I dare say that we don't want that for our Christian lives. Listen, oftentimes the greatest pressure Christians face is not peer pressure, but fear pressure. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, we're more concerned about what someone will say than what God says. We're more concerned and worried about what someone will think than what God thinks. We don't have to fear man. We must fear God. So faith chooses the fear of the Lord over the fear of man. Let me ask you, do you have a healthy fear of the Lord in your life? Do you reverently trust Him to be your God? Well, fourth, faith chooses God's provision over man's resources. God's provision over man's resources. Verse 28. It says, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Say, what's he talking about? This verse takes us back to the plagues on Egypt. You remember that in one of the plagues, God said that the firstborn of all the sons in Egypt would die except those who had the blood around the doorpost, right? God made provision through the blood of a lamb and He told the Israelites that if they would put the blood around the doorposts of their homes, then they would be spared. And Moses believed God's promise and obeyed. Now obviously, the... Passover is a beautiful picture of Jesus shedding His blood as the sacrificial Lamb of God. You see, just as the death angel made its way through Egypt and killed all the firstborn sons of uh, those who were born that were, would die physically, so also those who haven't applied the blood of Christ to their own hearts will die spiritually. God made provision for us through Jesus' death on the cross. And instead of applying that blood to the doorposts of our homes, we apply it to our hearts and are gloriously saved. Christ's blood is applied to us. And we are saved. We are set free from God's wrath. We are set free from spiritual death. In fact, Paul said in Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Being in Christ allows us to escape God's wrath. And yet, there are so many people today who want to trust in their own resources instead of God's provision through the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean? Well, they trust in their good works. If they're busy enough for the Lord... They think they're going to be fine. They trust in the fact that they're religious. I have a spiritual nature about me. They think they're going to be fine. They trust in their spiritual heritage. The fact that their grandparents were Christians and their parents are Christians and they think that because of that, they're going to be Christians and have never trusted Jesus Christ individually. They think that their baptism is going to be enough. You see, they trust in all these things, but what they don't trust in is Jesus. They focus on what they can do, instead of what Jesus has done. I want to tell you, when Jesus hung on that cross, and He cried out, It is finished! All that needed to be done was done. And there's no amount of good deeds that you can do that can make a difference. Through Jesus' death, God made provision for anyone to be saved. For anyone who would be willing to repent of their sin and place their trust in Christ, they can be saved. So, true faith trusts in God's provision through Christ and not in man's resources for salvation. Again, I ask you, are you truly trusting in Christ? Well, finally, number five, faith chooses God's Word over current circumstances. God's Word over current circumstances. Verse 29, By faith they pass through the Red Sea as by dry land whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Now, obviously, this takes us back to the Exodus and uh, the Red Sea. And the Israelites, with the Red Sea in front of them, preventing them from getting to the Promised Land, with the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army pursuing them behind them, God told Moses to reach out over the sea, and it would part. Well, fortunately, Moses had a choice. And he chose to take God at his word. He chose not to focus on the circumstances. He could either believe what God said, or he could be overwhelmed by the predicament he was in. Fortunately, he chose to believe God. And when the waters parted and Israel moved through by faith, God miraculously parted the waters and they passed through the Red Sea as by dry ground, whereas the Egyptians were drowned. Now I want you to notice, it wasn't a muddy riverbed that they uh, passed through on. It was dry ground because God had evaporated all the water in the soil. I love that. I mean, can you see those people trying to walk through muddy water? Water? Uh, It's just incredible that God, the same God we serve today, is able to do that for us. Whatever our need is, He can meet it. The more impossible the circumstance, the greater the miracle He'll perform. So just simply trust Him. Believe Him. Take Him at His word. Let me ask you. Do you have circumstances in your life that seem to be impossible? The current circumstances seem to be overwhelming. Trust God. Believe His word and He'll handle it. True faith. Trust God's Word, no matter how impossible the circumstances may appear. Are you trusting what He says? Are you making the choices of faith? Do you have an eternal perspective in your life? Is your heart set on things above instead of the things on the earth? Do you find yourself seeking the kingdom of God or are you striving to establish your own kingdom in this world? I want to urge you to make faith choices because if you don't, you're going to make foolish choices. Choose spiritual persecution over earthly pleasure. Choose heavenly riches over earthly riches. Choose the fear of the Lord over the fear of man. Choose God's provision over man's resources. And choose God's Word over current circumstances. That's what faith does. That's how faith acts. And that's what faith values. Jim Elliott, who I mentioned a a moment ago, was one of five missionaries who went down to South America to try to reach the Aka Indians with the gospel. Ultimately, all five missionaries lost their lives. They were speared by those primitive people, and they died. Needless to say, all five chose to live by faith and make faith choices. My question is, how about you? Are you making faith choices? May God help us to make the choices of faith as well. And I want to tell you this morning, that the greatest faith choice that you can make is to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In a few moments, we're going to have an invitation. And I invite you, if you have not done that, to come and respond today. Say, what do I need to do? Just come out. I'll be standing down here. Greg will be standing down here. And if you need to trust Christ, just come and be saved today. Let's pray together. Father, what a blessing we have to live by faith not always easy Lord in fact we struggle often but you have blessed us and told us that you are there with us and I pray God today that each and every person who is here if they haven't made that crucial decision to trust you as Lord and Savior I pray that today they would do so. Father, we give this invitation to You and we pray that Your Holy Spirit will move in a way that will honor and glorify You. For we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.